Thank you for tuning in to Hill Country Fellowship's audio podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired as you listen today. For more information, visit us online at hcfburnett.org. We love our moms, and uh, it's great to celebrate y'all today. Uh, I do encourage you to get, get one of those bookmarks. They're so cool. They're, they're all unique, so everybody leaves with a unique one. Uh, some are more unique than others. Um, and then if you're like, I don't have a book uh, to use, well, get a, get a Bible. Uh, or I can recommend 100 books that are amazing to read. Um, but uh, reading's great, and that just keeps reminding you of, of just these kids growing up to know Jesus and, and care for other people. They're so excited to do it. Uh, and then, of course, the, the coffee card, um, you know, use it, put your cell phone on there. We have three gift baskets that we're going uh, to have. You can win one of those three, and, and just to bless uh, a mom or a grandma or uh, a mother figure. Uh, if you're in here, you don't, have, you don't have kids of your own, but, <clears throat> but you're a mom, get one, take one, because you are. Um, uh, just like John wrote in that passage I read, they weren't his physical children, but they were his kids. And, uh, and he influenced their lives, so you do that. Uh, I was thinking about this, this past week, this past eight days of, of life here at HCF. We're in this uh, series, These Are My People, and, uh, and we're just talking about what it means to ultimately uh, live out the plan God has for us, but then uh, the different parts along the way. And today we're looking at dependent and us needing one another, and over the last eight days, uh, we've, we've celebrated uh, the lives of, of, of two uh, wonderful people as we, as we had memorial services for them. We, we had a wedding the other night. We had a renewal uh, yesterday afternoon. And, uh, you know, we're celebrating moms and we have kids. It's just, it's a full life here at HCF. And that's what it's meant to be. Uh, the, uh, the highs and the lows, the, the, the challenges and the, and I can't stop smiling uh, moments, uh, the head scratchers uh, and the, the hand clappers. Uh, as we do life together, and these are my people. This is what we do, and we need one another. Um, from the be- very beginning uh, of, of humanity, God created us to depend on one another. Uh, the world says be independent, and the world's stupid, so there you go. Uh, God created people to be dependent on one another. Now, I know the, uh, a real popular thing is to say, oh, we're interdependent, which is true, because we don't want to be dependent I'm telling you what, we're dependent on one another. You're not a lone ranger. You're not an island unto yourself. You need me. I need you. Uh, We need one another. We are dependent. That makes us interdependent. That makes us lockstep together and and walk this life together. But we're dependent because there's things I don't have that you do. And there's things that somebody on the other side of the room has that, that you don't. And we need one another. And even from the very beginning, God said in Genesis 2, you know, it's not good for Adam to be alone. So I'm going to make Eve to help him. And they're going, to, they're going to rule the earth. And they needed one another to populate the earth, right? It is impossible uh, to go it on your own to populate the earth. And if you just had women, it wouldn't work. If you just had men, it wouldn't work. I don't care what the dumb world says, okay? God made people to work together, to do life together. Creation through human beings being born only happens when a born man uh, finds a born woman and they, uh, hopefully through the, the, the love of, of marriage and following Jesus, they have a baby. That's creation 101 on through the last 10,000 or so years of life from the first two people all the way to this day and whatever's the last day that, that God has. He set a pattern in place 
that we depend on each other in this life. God creates us. He puts us with others so we can give and so we can receive. People need each other to make things happen because we have emotions and we need people to shore us up and encourage us uh, to just do life together, you name it. We need one another. Dependence on another person is God's intention for all believers on this planet. After his resurrection, Jesus goes and he sends into heaven and he, and he sends the Holy Spirit that we would depend on him as he dwells in the life of every believer and shows us what to do and how to do it. And he gives us knowledge and wisdom and faith and, and, and the ability to give and just all the beautiful gifts that, that come with, with having the Holy Spirit live in us. We depend on him. And, and so God set a pattern from the beginning and then, and then Jesus sends us the Holy Spirit. And at the same time that, that he sends the Holy Spirit for me to depend on, other people need my life for them to do their life. He gives the, the body of believers special gifts. It says in 1 Corinthians 12, there's a, a gift from the Holy Spirit given to each one of us so we can help each other. At the end of that passage, it says, you are the body of Christ and each one of you has a part in it. Nothing more important than the other. They're just doing different things. You've heard it probably said a, a hundred times, especially if you've grown up in church. You know, thumb's not more important than the heart. It just has its different role. Uh, you know, they, they, they do different things. We're still trying to figure out the appendix, I mean, you know, but whatever. Uh, no, it collects uh, junk. So it's like the garbage man of the body, right? We serve each other. We're there for each other. And because we're there for each other and we're living on mission, we're there for the world around us. So today we're looking at how we belong. That's our big idea today. How we belong to each other because of Jesus. We're talking about community and life and growth together and joy, both growth in numbers and then growth in our following of Jesus, being more mature as disciples. What it means to really do this life together and rely on each other. You need others. You have to rely on people. And at the same time, you have to be willing to receive. I, I, find, I found through my years in, in Christianity, I've, I've been in the church my whole life, and I've lived in two very, most of my life has been in two very independent states, Texas and Alaska. Uh, they are both independent in their mindset and then very you know, independent kind of in, in their culture. Uh, and so you have a lot of people that grow up in those states, and they're like, I don't need nobody. I don't need, I don't need to receive from anybody. I'm independent. I'll give, 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 but I ain't receiving nothing. If you can't receive, you got a pride issue, okay? Because you can't do this life on your own. You have to be willing to give and live generous, and you have to be willing to receive from people who have stuff for you, whether it's wisdom or knowledge or just help, uh, maybe financial or, or physical Whatever it comes along, you have to be willing to receive because that's the way God's designed the kingdom, that we give and we receive. One of the things we're doing uh, in this series is we're asking two questions every week as we hear what God's saying to us individually because the Holy Spirit will speak to you. What's God saying to you with this? And then what are you going to do about it? And you have to answer that question. I can't answer it for you. I can 
I can pray with you and I can help you and I can listen to you and that's us being dependent on one another. You have to know what God's saying to you and then you have to make a decision on what to do with it. Hebrews 12, verses 14 through 17 is where we're gonna start. You can turn there if you'd like or you can just listen to my amazing voice. It's up to you. So we need each other so that we can, so we can clearly hear God in our lives. And that's what the author is, is saying here. My, my NLT version says, it, it titles it as a call to listen to God. Work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life. Do we earn anything? No. We still work at stuff though. I don't work at it to earn love from God, but I, I work at it because I want to grow. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Make sure that no one is immoral or godless like Esau. Okay, so Esau is like, don't, don't be an Esau, right? Don't choose the, the temporary or or what seems so urgent to you and trade in how your life's supposed to, supposed to be lived out. And they would know this story really well because they're writing to Jewish Christians here. So, you know, Jacob and Esau were a big part of their culture. Esau traded his birthright as the firstborn son for a single meal. You know that afterward, when he wanted his father's blessing, he was rejected. It was too late for repentance, even though he begged with bitter tears. It doesn't mean that he wasn't loved uh, that God didn't, didn't accept him for who he is. He, he just, there was a consequence to his actions. He didn't get the birthright back. He, he had God if he wanted God. It was the birthright that sometimes there's a consequence to our actions and we, we can't walk those back, but we're still loved by God. So the, what I, well, I think what I, one of the things I, as I was reading this and reading about Esau and reading about it, it says work at and, and you're thinking of, you know, don't let people do this dumb thing or whatever it is. I was thinking about the Bible and all the stories in it. I love the Bible because it's a brutally honest book. Relig false religions make everything rainbows and puppy dogs. And the heroes never have a mistake. You read the Bible and you see these stories of liars and murderers and betrayers and adulterers. And those are the good guys, right? <laughs> I mean, that's what's so cool about the written word of God. It's real life. We're imperfectly Perfect. And it's why the author says here, hey, because we know we're, we're, we're holy and blameless and perfect, but we're being made holy and blameless and perfect. So we're already and not yet. We're, we're perfect vessels for the world to see, and he's working on us on the potter's wheel at the same time. And so the author says, work at, look after each other. Make sure that no one is immoral or godless. He's giving us Ways to be there for one another, with one another. We must be vulnerable. Stay vulnerable. Live vulnerable. And even be willing to help those who are being vulnerable or stepping into that. Vulnerability is a great thing. And the world says, don't you dare be vulnerable. Take what you can get and shore up everything and don't let them see weakness. And God says, man, be real. Be vulnerable. Even Jesus. I mean, if, uh, if a false religion had written the story of Jesus, they wouldn't have had him in the garden ask his friends to pray and fall on his knees and, 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 
and, and sweat through some hard times, he would have been like, I got this. But he's even vulnerable. Never sinned, but he's vulnerable. So we walk out together this life of becoming holy, like the author says there in Hebrews. And we won't be perfect as we become holy. So you need others, and they won't be perfect, so they need you to grow, to be encouraged for our grace from God to be on display in their lives. Can you think of someone right now in your life that needs grace? Can anybody think of someone in their life? And you might be like, they need it, but I don't want to be the one to give it. Right? I mean, somebody probably comes to mind and you're in, to you that needs grace right now. And they might be acting like a sorry person, or maybe they're just a broken person, or maybe they're just an ignorant person. I don't know how they're acting. You're, they're probably all across this room. Those are the stories in your heads. But would the grace of God be on display from your life for them? What do they need? Can you give that to them? Maybe somebody needs you for the hard words to be spoken into their life and, and to walk along, not just punch them and walk away, but maybe speak some hard truths and then walk it with them. Maybe you need to be the one for the full-on soft, loving, teach you nothing except that I accept you words to be spoken. Because people don't always need to be beat down with where they were wrong. Sometimes, I mean, we've learned this in our, in our kids' life, and I remember Sarah telling the story one time, one of our kids... Uh, I think I remember which one it is, and I won't say it. I uh, was just flailing, just losing it, and all the punishment in the world was deserved. And God said, hold her, or him. Oops. <laughs> I, I didn't mean that. Sorry, sissy. She was little. Just all, all the correction could be spoken. The punishment doled out. The consequences earned, and it's just hold them. Just hold them. Nothing but love and softness and grace. Maybe you need to be that for someone right now. Maybe that's the thing that will kickstart them to live whole or free or following Jesus without being pulled all the time to the things of this world. This is where moms nail it so good in families. They just do this grace thing so well. They're, they're just so good at that, like Michael said, that nurturing side, that showing that. I mean, we, you know, a lot of times dads come in with the, with the structure and the rules and the plans and the procedures and uh, the, hey, you stepped out of line, so this is going to happen, and moms are like, oh. Not always, I know. They, you, sometimes when you're saying oh, you're like, I just want to squeeze harder. But you're so good, moms, that... At showing that nurturing side of heaven, the nurturing side of God. That's really the, the nurturing side of the Holy Spirit. He's the comforter. Moms are great at comfort. He's a counselor. Both moms and dads are great at counsel. Moms listen, 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 take it on in and kind of speak into that. Dads have more plans. We, we do them different ways often. But moms are so good with that. Galatians chapter 6 tells us, uh, about Jesus, uh, really his desire for strong Christian community and, and walking people through the stuff of life that comes. And uh, I encourage you, if you don't have the Message Bible, 
to also go read Galatians 6 in the Message Bible, especially the first three, I think, verses. Uh, It's written so amazingly. I'm reading from the NLT today. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. They need you. They're dependent on you to help them back because they're not going to, according to this, they're not going to get on by themselves. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. So let others be in your life. You can't go it alone. Share with each other's burdens and in this way, obey the law of Christ. If you think you're too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. Some of y'all need to hear that today. Some of us need to hear that today. Pay careful attention to your own work, for then you'll get the satisfaction of a job well done. You won't need to compare yourself to anyone else, for we are each responsible for our own conduct. You see, we're saved, transformed, and refashioned. We are set apart so that we can do it together. We're set apart from the world so we can do this life together as a, as a church community, a Christian community. All of us called to be a part of a church family. This may not be your home. You may be visiting today. Uh, I encourage you, if you don't have a church home, you find a church home. Because that's the way it was started in Acts chapter 2. All this that we're talking about today was lived out in Acts 2, 42 through 47. They just lived that out. And that's the way it's meant to be. Doing real life together. Sharing the good and the, and the struggle. The, the meals and the learning uh, the, the generosity flowing one way and being able to, to give and receive is all lived out from the beginning of the early church after Jesus left and said, hey, Peter, you and guys, you, you guys, you guys make this happen. Church life is what we're called to. Families put together by God so we can be there for one another. If you call God your father, if Jesus is your savior and king, if you're, if you're spirit-led, spirit-filled, then you're a part of that family of God that is dependent on one another. There's nothing in this passage here we just read in Galatians where Paul writes about doing it alone or walking away from someone who's struggling or, or avoiding her because she just gets on your nerves. And I get it, that happens we got to take those things to God. we got to live a life of repentance. we got to live a life of forgiveness so that, so that those things don't weigh us down. Hebrews says don't let bitterness grow up because it's going to defile those uh, around you. We read that earlier. But it, it, we're, we're told here that it's all about depending on one another. Dependency under the, the banner of Jesus is healthy. I'm not talking about being codependent, but if I'm going to be codependent on someone, let it be Jesus. Right? Let it be the Holy Spirit. Uh, I'll be codependent on the Holy Spirit all the days of my life. And if you have the Holy Spirit in you, Jeremy Cotton, I've known him for a long time and I've served uh, in two different states with him. And we've done a lot of stuff together, you know, success and failure. The Holy Spirit lives in him. So if he's codependent on the Holy Spirit, I don't have any problem being codependent on Jeremy Cotton. Because that's a healthy one. It doesn't take me into, into an unhealthy lifestyle I need him, and I need what he's got, and I need how God's made him, and how the Holy Spirit leads him to make my life better, because I don't have all that it takes. I'm not going to live a life where I think I'm that important. That's good. It's about Jesus, 
and about others and about the lost and about me being the best husband I can be and raising my kids to know Jesus and then being on mission to a lost and broken world out there. Jesus and his great grace that he's talking about right here, it unifies us and it makes us need each other. So, what's God saying to you? And what are you going to do about it? Disciples of Jesus hear what God is saying to them and then they do something with that. And you might be hearing God say, man, I need to go and find people who don't have someone in their life and just be a friend, invite them into my home, but I don't know where to start. That's you hearing from God and, and saying, I need to do this, but I don't know where to start. So what you do is you go find someone who will help you know where to start. And then you're dependent on someone else to help you walk out what you heard and what you said you're going to do. That's the best thing possible. If that's what you do when you walk out these doors, you've just listened and been led, listened to and been led by the Holy Spirit today. Yeah. That is a good thing. Romans 12, which is where we're going to spend the, the, the rest of our time here today, and it's our main passage. It tells us how we're to live for each other. And, and it's really a chapter about Jesus being on display through our transformed lives together. It's the, the power of the gospel shown through our transformed relationships and, and, and how we love other people. Verse 1 of Romans 12 says, So dear brothers and sisters, all of us here who follow Jesus, he's talking to I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. It's dumb, right? The world is. It just is. We were all part of it one time, uh, and now we're not dumb because we follow the smart one. So don't copy those customs and behaviors let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. The gospel completely transforms us. Our thinking, how we live our lives, who we're uh, aligned with and following. And, and then... And then it allows us to know the creator's perfect will for us. Verse 3 says, Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Hey, we heard Paul say that earlier. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. You see, our different gifts and abilities, Paul's saying here, they, they should make us uh, love and depend on one another more than we ever have before. The more I grow, the more I depend on someone else. Because I know them more. I see them as trustworthy. I get in their life. I love them more. I know until my last breath on planet Earth, I can trust Martin Riley. I know that I know that I know that. That man shows it in how he lives. 
He shows it in how he loves his family. He shows it in, in how, how he is as a businessman. But what I've also seen is, is what it's done for me. And I need him. And I'll need him more as time goes on. I won't need him less because I'm going to get so mature and amazing. I need him more because God has more for my life and from my life. And I need that guy in my life. And it makes us more united as Christ's body, like Paul says, that all things then belong to each other. All of us belong to one another. Verses 6 through 8 says, In His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out as, with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage Others be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. He goes on in, in verse 9 to say. So in, in verses 6 through 8, we, we see we have a role to play in a church family. So you need to rely on people. And they need you. That's what Paul's saying there. You need to rely on others and they need to be able to rely on you. Hate what's wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection. Take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. It's a great place to pause and take a drink. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. He's saying here that, that love is to be the guiding principle in every Christian relationship we have. That's verses 9 through 13. We just, we just let love lead us. Remember a few years ago, if you were here, uh, let love lead was our theme for the year. This was our theme passage for the year. Let love lead. What does that mean? That means a lot of things from a lot of different people throughout a 365-day period that year. But it's really a lifestyle principle for all time in following Jesus. Then he goes on, verse 14, bless those who persecute you. Oh, you're getting nosy, Scott. Nope, that's Paul getting nosy. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. I've never noticed that Paul wrote that so much. <laughs> hmm, think we have a problem in humanity? Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all you can to live at peace with everyone. That's hard. That's hard. And I pray that blessing over us as a people, as a church today, as people in this room today, as followers of Jesus today. I just really feel like God said, I, I want to I I speak this over to you today. And so you just take it in because it looks like different things to some of us, maybe in our work or our home or our neighborhood or maybe just what we're seeing uh, you know, on the news do all that you can to live at peace with everyone. May that invade your soul. Dear friends, never take revenge. 
Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I'll take revenge. I'll pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemy, enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. We need to be able to show love to a broken world. And it can be really tough at times. You're required by God as a believer of Jesus and a follower of him to show love to a broken world when they might not care or want it. And so it can be so hard to not, to, to not just step into acting like them. So you need other people. If you're asked by God to do a really difficult task to love someone and they're just being a, a turkey about it, maybe you need someone to just encourage you and pray with you and you just go to them and say, hey, I feel like God's called me to do this and that person's just making it so hard. <laughs> Can you just pray for me and pray with me and encourage me and maybe if I get snarky, just kind of speak to the snarkiness? Because I want to do this, but goodness, it's hard. We rely on each other. Yes. You have to. You can't do it alone, and you're supposed to rely on one another. So Jesus takes what you give that another person needs, and he changes things. That's what Paul's telling us here. You, you, you make this sacrifice. We're never independent. We have to give. We need to receive. And it's interesting when Paul says to us to, to be a sacrifice, that means we lay our lives on the line, we, we give ourselves to God fully, but, but if someone has to be a sacrifice for me, then, I, then I'm utterly dependent on that person, right? Sacrifices make things happen in my life that wouldn't normally happen. Somebody sacrifices so that I can fill in the blank. Maybe you give up that extra money, that you were going to use as a, as a trip to Six Flags with your family so that another family can pay their bills. They need your sacrifice. And so you give something and they receive something and they're blessed by it. But you lose out in, in one way. But you win in a big way. Maybe her faith is so weak and flailing and you have such high faith so she needs you to encourage her and pray for her and speak life and, and to stand firm for her while she's weak and flailing. Maybe he can't figure out what to do no matter how hard he tries to think it through. But you've got knowledge and wisdom from heaven to speak to him and into his life and help him walk through that insurmountable thing. Jesus had a perfect life that he put on the cross as a sacrifice for sins once and for all. And so we that accepted it get eternal life. We could not get eternal life on our own. So Jesus gave. That's what sacrifice is. We depend on that. Ultimately for heaven, but in life as it goes along, we depend on one another. I remember years ago, if you've heard our story, we had a number of people that came along and they sacrificed in different ways for Sarah and I as we were just a broken couple, no kids at the time, marriage over. We had these friends, June and Amato, who, who just said, come and live in our house and uh, we'll move out most of the time and every once in a while we'll come back and hang out with you, but you just have our house. They just gave up their home 
for us to have a place to be as we went to try to get some help that, that maybe uh, as a shot in the dark, uh, somehow we'd not, we'd not lose it all. We had such little faith, and they just said, here, come. We had people who were wise in, in counsel and in ministry who gave their time for us, and they poured their lives into us, and they gave us, and, and we fought them at some times, and we, we thought it was stupid at other times, and, and we were broken so much that we could hardly hear at other times, but they just kept, they just kept on giving. Some gave physical sacrifices for us, and some gave spiritual they gave from the gifts that they had been given to help people in need. We were utterly broken and we were spent. We had no idea how needy and dependent we really were. They just did what they were able to do and that they were gifted with and it transformed our lives for all time. A, a broken guy became a son of the living God. A broken daughter came back like a prodigal. We had no, no chance of our marriage making it, but God said, I'm the one that the covenant is with. Amen. Our kids didn't even exist at the time. All we'd had was loss, two miscarriages and a death. Now we got five. I mean, those people who just gave what they could changed our family's destiny forever. And it will only go forward as my quiver grows and goes. You have no idea what your gift given as a sacrifice to someone will do then and on down the line. So what's God saying to you and what are you going to do about it? Would you stand with me? God, I pray that you be honored in our response as we are dependent on one another as we need each other, as we need the spirit that lives in the lives of sons and daughters in this room and in our lives, I pray that you would speak to us individually in a way that we would hear and then Holy Spirit, you'd help us to respond. That we could say, God, I hear what you're saying and uh, God, here's what I'm gonna do. And that would be the greatest act of worship we could do today as we sing these songs now and worship you because you're worthy. Uh, would you be blessed by our worship and by our response? If people need to come up here at the altar, Lord, bring them up and just let them, let them kneel before you at the altar, giving you whatever it is you're asking of them right now. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening. For more sermons and full-service replays, visit us online at hcfburnit.org. God bless and have a great week.